And uh, welcome everybody to the Bangers and Classics podcast. That's with me, James Rupper, and that's him, David Malloy. And uh, uh, where on earth are we this week, David? I just wondered. Well, you should know because you should built I? a machine. Yes. Oh, really? A contraption. Yeah. It selects our destination for the yep. week. And it's decided that we should be in 1986. 1986. Oh. So, so here we are. Yeah. I'm back being young again. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, I don't have the heartbreak I had in 1986, but that's another story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's good that we back to playing rugby this season, which is yeah. which is wonderful. And lots of other good things are going to happen this year, which, oh, which is nice. One one bad thing, but that's mm. that's by the by. Yeah. So, yes, this is where we are. And I want to put your feelings, first of all, where on that? Yeah, I, I didn't think uh, 1986 was terribly special, but actually, once you look into it, it, it sort of is. Um, uh, yeah, from a personal point of view, actually, I was um, uh, uh, I was doing work for Renault, actually, when it, when it was peak Renault, um, when ah. it had really good cars. So I was doing their, uh, their communications to dealers uh, stuff, all information being sent. So that was quite interesting. So yeah, Renault 11, uh, 5GT Turbo and all that sort of stuff. Uh, 25 and uh, yeah it was uh, it was a, a very good time for them and uh, you know even the espas looked pretty good as well didn't it pretty space age so uh, hmm. yeah that was uh, quite a good time i also wrote um dealing with car dealers actually that year it didn't come out till the following year but uh, there you go that was the first book i wrote for haynes and uh, uh, the rest is history so uh, there you go so actually 1986 was more significant than, than i thought and actually when you look at the uh, films and other things that went on um actually there was Quite a bit happening, wasn't there in nineteen? Yeah, there was. Yeah, mm. uh, I mean, just in the personal level, I'd taken some time at university after an eye, an eye operation, then an infection, and 1986 marked my return to university to complete my law degree, mm. uh, which I which I duly did. I also had possibly the best job I ever had that year, which was a summer job. It was working in the Bolton and Paul factory in Melton Mowbray. Mm. Uh, they made window frames there, and twelve hour shifts, five days a week plus part of the weekend. Uh, was too tired to even be bored going out. You know, you <laughs> yeah. Go and work, work hard in the sun, go home, read a bit of a book, fall asleep. That, that was it. But I enjoyed the job. There were some good lads there, and particularly uh, Colin, Terry, and Dave. Uh, I hope they're all still with us. Yeah, so a personal fun, 86 was pretty good, I think, for, you know, for the two of us in our respective ways. Uh, but how was it for cars? Because we're going to analyse car from that year and decide whether we think it's a banger or a classic and the car that we've chosen and we could have chosen a few cars but we've mentioned most of them in the podcast already i think we've even mentioned this one before it's the volvo 480 yeah which came along in 86 and lasted till 95 yeah and i wonder james just what you made of it well it's uh wedge-tastic isn't it uh really um uh I suppose it was un, unfashionably wedgy, really, at the time. You know, the sort of wedges, wedges were on their way out. But uh, I always found it uh, an entertaining little car. I think a lot of people did find the, the, the looks quite quite challenging. Um, in many ways, it wasn't it wasn't much of a sports car. It was really a you know just a small coupe, really. Um, but anything with pop up headlights, as we've always agreed, is um, mm. sensational. Uh, there was a there was a 1.7 turbo, which is uh, the one that sort of got to 0 to 60 in sort of just over eight seconds. So I suppose that was hot hatchy uh, a tiny bit, but I rather liked it. It's one of those things that Volvo did from time to time. Um, just sort of said, well, yeah, we can do something apart from uh, uh, sort of square shaped uh, estates. So uh, 
Yeah, it was good. Uh, it, it was it was built in uh, in the DAF factory, wasn't it? In mm, that's right. Yeah, former yeah. DAF factory yeah. in the Netherlands. Yeah. It was. I mean, you said Wedgie. I mean, I mm. thought Wedge was a character in the Star Wars films. Well, there you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Designed by a Dutchman as well, I believe. Yeah, I would describe it as a shooting break, or you could mm. call it a hatchback coupe. I mean, yeah, that's right. It wasn't a hot hatch. Mm. It wasn't a full blown coupe, and it certainly wasn't an estate car. Mm. It was had elements of all all of those things, I suppose. Yeah, uh, in its design, it was apparently the first front wheel drive Volvo. All right. Yeah. And the engines were supplied by Renault. Mm. You, you would, of course, know that having worked for Renault back at the time. Yeah, well, there you go. There you have it, yeah. Mm. And you had two versions of the overhead camshaft 1.7 engine, one having forced induction and the other one uh, having been normally aspirated. And then there was a two-litre version came along, yeah. which didn't really offer much more power, but I suppose a bit more torque than the 1.7. I wouldn't say they were fast cars. I mean, the turbo was moderately fast, I suppose, by the standards of the day. Um the 1.7 and the 2 litre, not desperately so. They wouldn't keep up with, for example, with a, you know, an XR3 or Golf GTI, Renault 11 Turbo, Renault 5 Turbo, Peugeot 205 GTI. Wouldn't be able to hang on to those. Um, but you shouldn't be racing anyway. It's, it was They were fast enough. And, yeah, I quite like the style of them too, I suppose. They, they are a bit quirky, uh, a, bit, a little bit different, but pop-up lights, James. Mm, you know, yeah, that's, that's it. It, it cures mm. all manner of ills. It does. Yes, there was apparently going to be a convertible. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. Prototype was shown, I believe, there's at least one still in existence uh, in the Volvo Museum somewhere, but it never made production. Uh, it's a bit of a pity because it didn't look too bad from the photographs I've seen of it. We could also do this, I suppose, as a danger mobile. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, because mm. apparently in 1995, there were over 20,500 480s in UK roads. Been forward to 2022. And the figure drops to 181 with a further 633 on Soren. So it's not a tremendously healthy picture. I mean, it was always a quirky car. Now it's just a real quirky car, James. Yeah, that's right. I wouldn't say I love it, but I don't dislike it. So I'm going to go for classic in this one. Yeah, it is a classic, really, isn't it? Um, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to, be, to pick one up at uh, a banger price and uh, enjoy it. Well, absolutely, yes. I didn't check out prices. That's something we should perhaps do, maybe and come back on that next week. Yeah. But uh, 1986 was uh, started off badly, as I recall, James. You remember the space shuttle disaster? Yeah, that's right. Yes, I do Challenger, that, yeah. which mm. well, we were going to come back to because uh, we're going to talk about music next, I think. Oh, the right. music of 1986. And I've got a couple of tracks for you mm. um, that I think were the exceptional from that year. A band called Furniture had a single called Brilliant Mind, mm. which I think is superb. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of them. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's all right then. Uh, uh, you've never heard of Brilliant Mind? No, not at all. Oh dear Lord! It wasn't the charts. I mean, it did make the charts. Did it? It, oh, right, didn't, right. it didn't reach the higher echelons, yeah. you know, what it should have been. But yeah. it didn't. I just thought it was one of these you made up. I you know, no, 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 I'm not. Right. I'm not bright enough to make up stuff like that. Good Lord, no. Uh, the other song I'm going to mention, and you're going to like this one, I'm sure, because oh. you will know mm. this one. Is Wonderful Life by Black, otherwise known as Colin Vernicombe. Yeah, I do um, know. Yeah, I'm yeah. aware of that, yeah. And some people think it's an uplifting song. <laughs> it's anything but. If you listen to the lyrics, it was written uh, during a, a somewhat difficult period of his life. Hmm. But I think it's a wonderful, wonderful song. It's well written. It's well sung. It's well played. There's nothing I don't like about it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I sometimes hear it, even in supermarkets, etc. today, I hear it comes on the radio. 
I always think, what a great song that is. It's, it's, a, it's got a timeless appeal, in my view. Another thing, of course, worthy of note from 1986, um, it's the Peter Gabriel video for Sledgehammer. Mm, I must remember that. Mm, I yeah. didn't know that was 96. Yeah, it was 1986, yeah, I believe, that Sledgehammer came out. And, yeah, he did the duet with Kate Bush in the, the album, as I recall it. Uh, was it Don't Give Up? Yeah. Was the one with Kate Bush? I think it was That's the same album. Is, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I mentioned the uh, Space Shuttle disaster. 1986 also saw uh, the release of an album by Jean-Michel Jarre, whom I, and whose music I do like. And I have seen him live, and tremendous live show. You will say, oh, it's just blippity bloppity electronics. Trust me, it isn't this guy. It's really good. It was on a fantastic show. But he released uh, the Wrong Devo album, and uh, very bittersweet, because there's a track on it. It was apparently going to be played partly live from the Space Shuttle. Uh, challenger by an astronaut called Ron McNair who's going to play the saxophone accompanied by Jar on Earth and of course unfortunately it never happened um, I think in the album it's now called, it's, I think it's Fifth Wrong Debut from Memory, uh, I think it may also be called Ron's Track or Ron's Song or something but that's on it, it's a good album and Wrong Debut 4 is a very much a toe-tapping track, you'll hear it everywhere but uh, just for a couple more things uh, from that year, we had Poodle Rock doing well now, I've always called it Poodle Rock because the the guys looked as if they'd been to a poochie parlour to have their hair done. Uh, you had Julep with the final countdown and Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer uh, were both huge hits. Don't like either song. Don't mind some Bon Jovi. Didn't like that one. And two more albums I'm going to mention. I mentioned Kate Bush earlier. She appears uh, on an underrated album by Big Country from that year called The Seer. Which though it made number two, it didn't really hang around in the charts very long. And that's a pity. Um, very well um, put together album, no weak tracks, uh, lots of good tunes. And the final album is kind of a comeback in some way. It's Back in the High Life by Steve Winwood, which gave rise to um, a massive hit, more so stateside than here, I think, and a song called Higher Love. But there's also a very good song with Joel Walsh on guitar called Split Decision on it. Again, in total, it's a very good album. So I think some great music. There's lots of Lots of other great music from that year. That's just a few I've picked out, James. What about you? Well, actually, um, uh, I've got a car-related one um, because uh, the Beastie Boys um, were about (laughs) fighting for the party. The Volkswagen, yeah. Yeah, if you had a Volkswagen. And actually, on my my wall, I've actually got one from that era that I I think I had to to buy one to replace it. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I've actually got a... BW badge, but yes, uh, yes, kids. Uh, if you're not that old, that, uh, that's what people used to do. They used to wear a VW badge around their neck. That was the cool mm. thing to do. So. Yeah, I once went to an '80s party mm. wearing a, I think, plunger around my neck instead oh, of a medallion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I nicked, I nicked it from the goodies before anyone says, yeah. "Ah, you stole that from Tim Brooke Taylor." Yeah, yeah, of course I did. Uh, proud to have done so. Mm. I like told Tim. So yeah, so with the Beastie Boys, what else, James? Um, I don't know. There's a, if you like soul, there was a, a lady called Anita Baker I did see live. She was very good. And uh, she had a hit called Sweet Love, and that was one of the biggest albums uh, of that year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Prince was about uh, Kiss. I saw them that year as well. They were very good. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Manic Mondays, which was actually a Prince song, which was sung mm. by... Uh, uh, those uh, girls and the Bangles, um, the Bangles. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Who also had Leonard Nimoy in one of the videos? Did they? I didn't realize. That. Yeah, for a song yeah. called "Going Down to Liverpool." Yeah, 
which caused some controversy at the time. The living, I'm going down to Liverpool to do nothing all the days of my life. Mm. Which I thought was a bit strange, but there you go. A quite a good song apart from that. Yeah. So there we go, 1986 music, some pretty good stuff. Mm. Check it out, it's better than an absolute yeah. garbage in the charts today. Exactly. At least you had to be able to play your instruments and sing then. Yeah. If that makes me sound old, don't care, you know, deal with it. <laughs> so anyway, we'll take a quick break there. Uh, whilst I research something. You're listening to Bangers and Classics, the podcast hosted by two intrepid time travellers who were both born out of time. And we are back after the break. Um, we've done a bit of cars and music. Let's talk about films, eh, James, shall we? We can do, absolutely. Yeah. I think there were some good films in 1986. Yeah. I mean, obviously, and perhaps the most topical, is mm. Top Gun because sequels out this year. Yeah. Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. And I went to see Top Gun at the movies to go myself because none of my pals would come and watch it with me. The Rotten Swines. I think I think I had the last laugh because I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah. Did you watch it back in the day? I didn't, David. No. I I, I did go and see The uh, Colour of Money, uh, strangely enough. Ah. Um, but uh, no, I didn't see it done. Uh, I've seen the maverick very recently and basically uh they, they did a very good recap so i feel as though i have seen the original all right uh with everybody who now looks a lot older than they did then but uh, yeah well they are a lot older than they were then, they are, absolutely the color of money of course was tom cruise and paul newman very much so yeah i, I can remember a guy after playing a game of rugby just at the end of that year uh we're playing played an away game and we're in the bar after it in this place the pool table he was trotting around doing you know the Flicking the pool cue around like Tom Cruise did in the film, at least mm. in the trailer for the film. Yeah. It's my abiding memory of The Colour of Money. Also, we had Platoon, which was a great film, I mm. thought. Starring Chuck Sheen, uh, who would go on to star on Wall Street the following year, and at the time it looked as if he might be heading towards a stellar career. Didn't quite work out for Charlie, I wonder why. Then we had Beverly Hills Cop 2, James. Yeah. The Return of Axel Foley. Mm. I'm going to say something controversial here. Mm. I think it's better than the original. All right. A lot of people don't like it as much. Mm. I think it's better. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was good fun. Eddie Murphy was really funny in it. Uh, in particular, also the scene where uh, the guy playing Taggart uh, pretends to be uh, former President Gerald Ford. I found that very funny for some reason, and still do. But uh, the release of Beverly Hills Cop 2, or the impending release, had an effect on another film from 1986. One I think you might like, James, Cobra. Mm. Mm, yeah, well, I was, I'm pleased you've mentioned that, Dave, because you do, you do have a, a special interest. Uh, in mm, well, Cobra is, uh, yeah. it was, it was originally going to be a much longer film. It was going to be a much more um, dark tone to it, I suppose. And there's a work print that exists that's over an hour longer than the release fashion. But the studio, um, he had the Beverly Hills Cop 2 was coming out. They wanted to make it a little bit of a faster-paced movie, to, to fit in more with what they expected that Beverly Hills Cop 2 would be. And so a lot of it was cut. And some of the cuts don't make much sense, uh, I have to say. I'd love to see the full-length version, but uh, I don't think we're ever going to get the privilege of seeing that, unfortunately. So it'd be interesting to see exactly where they went with it. But uh, it's an enjoyable romp anyway, you know. It's, yeah. Don't take it too seriously. And of course, Crocodile Dundee. Mm. And another couple of films. We had Aliens, which again was better than the its uh, prequel. Uh, it was James Cameron of uh, Titanic and um, oh other films. I can't remember. What's the one he's got out just now? The sequel. Oh, Avatar. 
Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, James Cameron of um, Titanic and Avatar fame did Aliens, which is good special edition, which came along a few years later on VHS and then uh, DVD is even better. Saw it at the movies. You'd Highlander, Connor McLeod of the Clan McLeod, and Sean Connery playing uh, an Egyptian with a Spanish name. Figure that one out if you can. Uh, that was good fun too, though. Yeah. Uh, you also had to film another Charlie Sheen film called The Wraith. Uh, it's not a film for two people or more people compete to achieve the fastest time uh, over a distance. It's The Wraith as in Ghost. Very 80s film, you might say. Very cheesy, but something enjoyable about it. And then finally, I'm going to, well, no, I'm not going to go finally, but here's one that, that you're going to love, James. And if I'm honest, I'm not so fond of. Can you guess what it is from 1986? What film are you going to love from that year? Well, I like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but there you go. I'm uh, not so fond no, of that one either. Which is, but... it's, got, it's got a car in it, and I, I like to bring things back to car. Um, and well, there's, the, a, there's, there's a car in Cobra. Yeah, I know, but that's right. I'm surprised you didn't mention that, but there you go. Oh, no. Uh, no. It, was a, it was an undercover cop car, that one. Really. Yeah, well, was, it, was, it a, was it a 50 Mercury Coupe or something? Yeah. Cobra. But no, the film I'm thinking of was Big Trouble in Little China. Well, that's the greatest film ever made, uh, David, without uh, any shadow of a doubt. But there's no cars in it. There's a truck in it. There it is. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll go back to the Wraith then. And you had the Dodge, uh, was it the M4S, known in the film as a turbo interceptor. Yeah. A real car. The most of the ones they used in the film were basically just hastily assembled replicas. But the real thing looks as good as, you know, the car in the film. It's quite an awesome device. But yeah, it's good fun. Those are the films I would choose from that year. What about you? <sighs> well, no, yeah, I, uh, the only ones I've got, uh, it's all the <laughs> ones I've mentioned, David, you've gone through uh, everything. So yeah, Ferris Bueller, I, th- I think it's quite a good film. Uh, um, Big Trouble in Little China is uh, the best film ever made to anybody who uh, wants to <laughs> wants to seek it out. Um, there's a terrible rumours that they're going to remake it um, with The Rock. So that would be a, something to avoid. And uh, yeah, I had Cobra written down, and I had the Color of Money written down, and uh, that's me. That's me done. But it was a very good year overall for uh, uh, films, I think. Mm. Ferris Bueller. I mean, was not a bit of an annoying twerp in the yeah, film. Yeah, of course he was. Yeah, absolutely. But it was quite a clever film. And, and you do uh, realise that wasn't a real Ferrari they jumped well, on the film. Apparently not. But no. uh, yeah, but it was. Uh, it was good fun. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, there's a, there's a guy who has got well one of the main roles in Ferris Bueller who also mm. appears in Speed, mm. Alan Ruck. He's Ferris's pal. Yeah, he also appears as one of the bus passengers in the 1994 film Speed. Mm. Just going back to transport for a second. Yeah. Anyway, we did have a challenge as well, didn't we? Did we? Oh, right. Yeah, of course we did. Yeah, you've not read the email again, have you? No. No. Well, while you're reading the email, mm. I'll talk about one or two things that happened in TV in 1986. Oh, okay. Yeah, we had prospects that were mentioned in the show before, or mentioned in the podcast before. Great show, watch it. We also just love Joy starting in British TV, but the uh, antique dealer in your part of the world, James, I believe it was East Anglia. They used to, yeah, used to wander around East Anglia in a, uh, in a Morris Minor. Yeah, exactly, a, a Morris Minor convertible, mm. no less. He looked rather like a much older version of a friend of mine from school. And uh, now that he is much older, my friend as well, kind of looks a bit more like Lovejoy these days. Maybe not quite as craggy. He also had the final edition of Pebble Mill at One on the BBC. And then BBC, a few, some years later, destroyed the studios. Corporate vandalism, but there you go. The You'll remember this, James. I'm sure you'll remember this, of all people. Channel 4 started putting the red triangle mm. on screen for films with adult themes. All oh, right. 
Yeah, it was 1986. It only lasted under a year mm. before it was taken away. Then there was one thing, and this is kind of linked to a film that's got cars in it. Um, if I say to, what if I say to you, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Where was that scene shot? Um, was it White City? No, close. Crystal Palace. It was Crystal Palace. Well, Crystal Palace transmitter apparently became the first in the world to broadcast in stereo. It was a program I wouldn't have watched then or now. It was the first night of the proms. But apparently it was the first to be broadcast in stereo. All right. So there you go. So uh, the challenge, have you remembered what it is yet? No. No. Okay. It means I've got to look it up because I've forgotten as well. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I haven't, no. Oh, I'm okay. a liar. Uh, okay. The challenge was to find a 1986 registered coupe mm. for £6,000 or less. All right. But that's it. Very, very simple. Mm. And you can go first because I'm sure you found a cracker. Well, yeah, strangely enough, yeah, I did find uh, a 944 that I didn't I didn't really trust. It was only going for about £4,000, but the more I read the advertisement, the more I, I really didn't like the seller. So that really put me off, uh, oh. which is always very good. It's always a good thing, it's a good thing to have. But it seemed relatively cheap, but there were, seemed to be bits wrong with it, so I didn't like the look of that. And they blanked out the registration number and stuff. And I just thought, nah, I think there's uh, something more to this. And uh, I only want to bring quality to uh, uh, the Bangers and Classics Challenge. Um, so, uh, yeah, well, that's right. That's worth a, a, a laugh. Uh, a 1986 Fiat um, X19 Bertone, as it's in oh. the ad. Um, and that was, ah, 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 ah. Yeah. It wasn't a Fiat 1986, though, was it? Well, I don't know. Um, uh, they might have badged it as one, but uh, and I know it's not as pure as the. Uh, if I was going to buy one, I'd buy a seventies one because it hasn't got these awful bumpers on it. Um, but mm. I think I think technically we'll all we'll all accept that it's um, still a Fiat. But okay, maybe they call oh, it. Do a, I have to a Bertone? But it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any less. I mean, it is a target top, and mm. I'm in your terms and conditions, you've specifically excluded um, having a target roof. But um, uh, that's what it does have. But £4,200 seems pretty good to me, and this bloke seems to have worked on it and sorted it all out. It's only 42,000 miles. doesn't seem to be very rusty. And, uh, uh, yeah, no. So uh, I thought that was quite a nice little clean car to uh, go for, actually. You know I like X19s, James. Mm, I know you do. That's right, I yeah. do, yeah. Mm. This is this car's got a film link. Well, sort of. It was a, mm. an absolutely rubbish film a few years ago called Pain and Gain. Right, and one of the protagonists in it drives the notchback version mm. of the Pontiac Fiero. Uh, yeah. I think it was with was like a Scooby Doo seat covers or something like that. There's something strange, oh, really? Dread, dreadful film anyway. But the Pontiac Fiero was, and I believe it still is, the world's greatest selling mid-engine sports car. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. and it didn't. It wasn't particularly a success. That's the thing. It mm. did really well at first, then problems came along, particularly with the uh, Ion Duke engine. Two and a half litre GM engine that they used in America, and well, the sales plummeted. Also, they created the front suspension, if I recall correctly, by turning the suspension from a saloon backwards. They eventually did address these things. They gave it a two point eight litre engine for some models. They improved the styling by giving it a nice fastback shape, glassy fastback shape, and they sort of suspension. And then, having done all that, they popped mm. the can it. Mm. But there is a nice. GT version, that's the, the nice fastback version for sale in the UK. It's got the six-cylinder engine, so it's a nice V6 engine. Hey, it's, it's quick enough. It looks good. It does look 80s, but you know what? I don't care. 
it's um, kind of reminiscent from some angles of a Toyota MR2 uh, Mark II. Yeah. I can see you can see a sort of resemblance in it. This one's for sale, I believe, in Kingston upon Thames. It's got a, quite a long MOT. Mileage of the last MOT, I think, was um, somewhere in the 90 odd thousand, about 92,000. Not sure if that's miles or kilometres. Uh, but Speedo reads in. It does, have, however, an automatic gearbox, but not much you can do about that. That's what it comes with. Seller says the paint can do a little bit of a freshen up. It's a very bright yellow, but it does look pretty arresting, I have to say, in mm. that colour. And it's a very, very rare car on this side of the pond. A lot of them, as the seller notes this as well, are turned into Ferrari replicas. This one isn't. This is an original. And it's got a sunroof too, so you can open that and get a bit of extra ventilation. Yeah. Uh, do I like it? Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's really neat. And uh, that would, I would commend it to the house, as the saying goes. Mm. Yeah. So there we go. So you've gone for the X19, I've gone for something from the other side of the pond. So we're, we're not too close this week just for a change. No, that's right. Absolutely. So, anything else, nineteen eighty six, James? Or should, have we have we have we done it? I don't know. I think we've done nineteen eighty six. Really, I, I thought it was quite a successful year. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at my um, cars in the UK book by um, Graham Robson, and that's ah. quite good because actually the M twenty five motorway was completed. Uh, the hundred and seventeen mile ring road along London was finally completed on October the 29th. So right. There you go. So that's. That's when all all trouble started, really, on the roads. So, no, it was, it, was pre- it was pretty awful before then as well. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. you well, you you're, you're from London. My uncle lives in London, so you know, yeah, I'm sure you remember those days. I certainly do. Mm. Well, I don't know. I used to be able to drive across London, actually. Ah, um, but that's bef- there's other reasons yeah. for that that we know of, James. Mm. We better we'll better not go into today. Well, more cars on the roads for one thing, but also, um, I believe that. Uh, Certain political decisions were taken that didn't exactly improve the motorist slot in London. Let's let's yeah. leave it at that. It was a big project, the M25, unquestionably. Yeah. Mm. Wouldn't say it's an unqualified success, but if you imagine what it would have been like without it, well, crikey, don't think it bears thinking about. Yeah. Also, uh, uh, the five millionth Mini was built on February uh, nineteen eighty-six. So there you go. Five million. Five million. Yeah. So twenty-seven years to get to five million, but there you go. Yeah, they say there was one born every minute, eh? Well, almost, right. almost true for the mini, really. Yeah, but it went on forever, didn't it? I mean, I mean, mm. it, was, it still had um, uh, uh, 14 years to go. <laughs> Madness, really, but there you go. Uh, People kept buying, though, I suppose. They did, yeah, that's right. They and they're still very popular. Mm. You know, the, the classic mini that is. Mm. I mean, I, I don't think of the BMW mini as the mini. Yeah. It's not a mini in spirit, and it's not a mini in form. But no. It's a decent enough little car in its own right, without wishing to insult it. Maybe they should have chosen a different title for it, but of course they're not going yeah. to, are they? Oh, and, and finally, David, I'm not going to this. The Channel Tunnel was approved. So there you go. So, so that was all set up and ready to yeah. go. So oh. there you go. They were going to start digging. So yeah. there you well, go. a very, very busy year. Over yeah, for, especially for the south of England as usual. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we get up here, um, <laughs> don't know. Um, yeah, they probably probably put up a new sort of uh, stop sign somewhere or something like that. Anyway, that's nineteen eighty six done. I wonder what we'll be doing next week. Uh, we don't know. The, the the wheel has to be spun. Uh, the, to find the, it field, the wheel decides. Yeah, it does apparently. Mm. Of course, we can't go back and do a week we've already done. That's the only thing. No, I, well, I've thought of that, David, and uh, I can actually peel off the year. I mean, it's been designed. <laughs> 
the design so that I can actually peel that year away and uh, put it away for safekeeping and um, uh, and even replace it with a, with another year. Because uh, I've got some 2000s, even though I, d- I don't believe the 2000s are, are terribly good and uh, uh, for all sorts of reasons, um, but I will have to replace some of the years. I've gone from 1960 onwards. If anybody is into the 50s, we can put 50s in if they're interested in that. Crikey. Yeah. That's going a long way back. I don't remember anything of that. Oh, well, well, it was black and white. Everything was black and white then, David. It, uh, you know, colour didn't yeah. arrive until the sixties. And yeah, there you go. And well, this is, this is true. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean Humphrey Bogart. Uh, nobody ever saw that man in colour. No, no, oh, it was just black and white, wasn't it? Oh no, I tell you, the African Queen. Yeah, I think he was. Um, they had to paint him for that. Yeah. No, he, actually, he actually was monochrome, mm. and they'd go into the studio to be painted. Mm. Uh, same with J- Jimmy Stewart, etc. Yeah. Cary Grant, these guys all started out life in, as monochrome and had to be painted yeah. when colour came along. Mm. That's absolute nonsense, isn't it? I thought it was true. That's very convincing. Um, yeah, I thought it was true as well. Mm. It probably is somewhere. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, I shall say thank you very much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with another year, but we're going to uh, do complete disservice to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll be ruining another year for you. So, yes, yeah, that's that was the year you got married and you've got wonderful memories of it. Now we've just sport it all. But there you go. Yeah. But yeah, 1986 wasn't yeah. such a bad year, all told. No. And on that note, cheerio. Yeah, cheerio, everybody. I'm going to go and find uh, the Bangles in 1986.